Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, I have a great deal to get to here, including a few follow-ups from some previous episodes and a few comments regarding um, the CBDC is going to be rolling out on July 1st. I've got a quick little article that kind of highlights some of that, what that might look like here in the near future, which probably isn't going to be very good at all. But non-participation, of course, is going to be real key here. I have a few education things here and a couple of things to make people aware of, uh, and then a couple of jab-related things as well. And then what I want to do is, is I want to end with a letter and actual general orders that were written by George Washington uh, in 1776 on July 2nd, if memory serves. In fact, I've got it right here. Yeah, July 2nd, 1776. Uh, with that said, I also wanted to make people aware of this, that there will not be a show next week, all week. I will be back on July 10th. Fourth of July and my birthday are next week, so family's coming into town and we're doing the family thing, so there you have it. But uh, again, I will be back on July 10th. Okay, I might put out a war video or two here, so certainly uh, stay tuned for those as well. Moving on. Uh, first of all, I don't know where you live, and I don't know if you've noticed this either, but here in Ohio, we have smoke in the air, and have had smoke in the air for quite some time due to the Canada fires and that arson that's taking place up there. So, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not cool. It's blotting out the sun, and usually later on in the evening is the only time when you can actually see the sun, but throughout most of the day... It's, uh, it's, it's smoky. Looks smoky, smells smoky, and there you have it. Just wanted to bring that to people's attention in case they were stepping outside and hallucinating. No, no, no. It's actually the smoke from Canada. And again, those government arsonists up there. Uh, let's see. From the last episode, this, uh, this is beyond relevant, and this is from Zero Hedge. I found this remarkably interesting and tied directly into the first thing that I brought up. In the last episode regarding, of course, Donald Trump still being the commander-in-chief, and then what plans that he will have when he is reinstalled as the president. It will look like an election, of course, but the, uh, the good guys are in complete control on this one. Uh, again, I mentioned the opportunity for him to utilize the military and go from state to state and clean out the corrupt governments who are not doing what they are by law, is supposed to be doing. This is certainly a move that he can make. Here is another one, and this was actually written uh, from Zero Hedge, and it says the following. It is titled, Trump Plan to Bypass Congress and Starve the Deep State, quote-unquote. It says, sources close to former President Trump say that he has a plan for keeping Congress from ever again forcing him into disgraceful and ridiculous spending situations. If he returns to the White House, Trump will seek to resurrect authority that Congress stripped from the presidency almost half a century ago. What President Nixon squandered, his campaign promises, Trump will restore, namely the impoundment power. Quote unquote, a lot of you, the former president told a New Hampshire crowd Thursday, don't know what that is. Indeed, few now remember it. Impoundment quote-unquote, if restored, would allow a president, in theory, to simply refuse to spend appropriations by Congress. 
more than just an avenue to cut spending. Trump sees that kind of authority as key to starving and thus crushing the so-called deep state. And it would, wouldn't it? He's already said that he plans on doing it with education, and that any education institution that continues down their degenerate ways will lose funding. Well, I have two other suggestions. He should take all the money away from NASA, and he should take all of the money away from Israel. Because those two entities are bankrupting our country alone. And what do they do? They brainwash us, of course, and then they kill us. And this is not a good thing. It says, but such a move in this article, it says it would fundamentally alter balance of power and any effort to resolve the long-forgotten authority virtually guarantees a protracted legal battle over who exactly controls the power of the purse. Trump welcomes that fight. Some budget experts believe he won't get anywhere. Regardless, advisors close to the former president tell Real Clear Politics that they are drawing up plans to challenge the 1974 Congressional Budget and Impoundment Control Act in court, and if that fails, to lean on the legislature to repeal it. The latter would require passing a law to surrender power, something lawmakers are loathe to do. Uh, It says Congress already went to war with another president who had expansive views of his own authority, and Congress won. Uh, And it just goes on and on and on. The point is, is that that is another option, and it is certainly another option that many have not considered. I was unaware of it as well, but it does exist, and I just wanted to bring that to your attention. Because again, I don't think it's an accident that he's talking about things. I really do think that it is a giant intentional. So it could be that he will pull that trigger when the time comes, and that would be fantastic, because you talk about bringing money back to the people and bringing money back to the right people, uh, and certainly the American citizens, that's certainly one way to do it, and crush these organizations, because again, what you will end up seeing is, is that we don't need them. We don't need NASA. What's NASA ever done for us other than lie to us? Same thing with Israel. Why are we giving so much money to Israel when all they're doing is building up their infrastructure and then killing people with it, including us? It's, it's terrible. Um, then there's this, of course, not just the CBDC uh, allegedly rolling out in its own hidden methods on July 1st, but this was from the Gateway Pundit, and it is titled UPS Teamsters Threatening Nationwide Strike If Demands Not Met by Friday says there would be devastating disruptions to the supply chain. And it most certainly would disrupt the supply chain. Uh, It doesn't get into the specifics as to what all of the demands are, but by the looks of things, it looks as if it is, of course, about money. And we can also assume that uh, it has a great deal to do with less people working at UPS. And if there are less people there, then they're working longer hours, which means they're going to want more money. Now, what did UPS do two years ago with all of their employees? Oh, that's right. They made them take the bioweapon shot. So how many UPS workers are dead as a result of that? And now this is just part of the collateral damage. All of these union arguments and everything else that takes place regarding all of this, ladies and gentlemen, again, it it cannot get more obvious that this was done on purpose. 
And this right here, I think, is one of the signs, again, that these companies are struggling for workers. Not to mention it's not helpful that you can't carry a gun as a UPS driver or a UPS employee. And I'm sure they all had to wear masks and do all of that too. So there you go. Not uh, not going to be good with UPS going forward, I don't think. Here's the next thing, and this has to do again with the central bank digital currency. This, uh, there was an excellent article on uh, the expose here, expose.com, dash news.com rather. And it is titled CBDC Related News, Kill CBDCs and Save Cash. And it's a series of sort of highlights from different articles all about the CBDC. I recommend checking it out if you are interested. But there is uh, there's an interesting paragraph here at the very end. It says this. It says, use supermarkets as little as possible. It says, to stay out of their system, one of the things that you can do to, is use supermarkets as little as possible. It started with us being required to bag our own groceries, and then we had to scan them too at the checkout. Now, staffless shops tied to facial recognition are being piloted with digital ID and automatic profile tracking. The aim being to extract your money or CBDC credits directly from your account without contact. If you have to go to the supermarket, refuse to use the self-checkouts, pay with cash, and talk to the staff. Use it as an opportunity to brighten up the experience of others. And then there's again another article associated with that specifically, which was from Substack. And the title of that article is How to Exit the Matrix Part 1, written on June 27th. Uh, the Better Way to Health with Dr. Tess Laurie, if I'm saying that right. I will say this. There is no doubt that the grocery stores are doing a great deal in order to essentially identify us the best that they can, and they're doing it in numerous ways, as many of us already know. The self-checkout aisles, for example, are really their way to implement all of the different things that they want to implement, and one of them happens to be uh, consistently being asked if you want to donate money to particular political causes. This entire ruse is not an accident. When you scan your card, or even when you put in your cash, one of before you do that, rather, the first thing that it will ask once you're done scanning everything is whether or not you want to give money, again, to this, that, or the other. That's a giant on purpose, because they're keeping track of that, and they're really keeping track of it if you're using a debit card or a credit card or something along those lines. Not to mention, while you're at those self-checkouts, they're consistently recording your face. So all of this is being used, again, to gather information and intel on us as to what we like and what we don't like, and then how they seek to penalize us. I think there's another way that they might penalize us, too, and it will have to do with simple banking fees. You know, every now and again, you look at your bank account and it'll say, well, we took out $11 for, you know, a monthly tax or a monthly service charge or something along those lines. I mean, it's the bank stealing from you. But there's no reason why they wouldn't do it based on some, again, digital currency slash social credit score that you can't even see. Not to mention, again, th there's no reason why they wouldn't raise those so you know those so-called monthly charges on a month-in month-out basis and you would just do what? I mean, you'd call the bank and say what's with this monthly charge and they'd say well our fees have gone up. 
Well, again, who's controlling the banks? It's the people who want to implement these these programs as best that they can. So it's not even that it's really up to the bank. A bank manager would simply say, yeah, we've increased our monthly fees. You know, we apologize, but this is just the way that it is. Well, again, good luck pulling your money out of a bank and finding a bank in the future that doesn't do that. As a result, I think you're just going to see more and more individuals cashing their checks. Instead of direct deposit, they're just going to ask that their uh, that their employers potentially just cut them a check, and then you know, however often a person gets paid, they take that check straight to the bank and they just straight up cash it. I'm certain that people already do that. In fact, within that article, it was specifically talking about the amount of money that people are already taking out of banks. I mean, it's in the billions of dollars throughout the United States. Citizens are, they basically had it with their banks and rightfully so. But there's a number of different ways, again, that these stores are implementing their digital currency policy. I know that fast food chains are already doing it. They're implementing applications on their phones. And do you want to use the app to pay for this, that, or the other as you're sitting in a drive-thru? This is already taking place. This is one of those things that already exists. Again, same thing with the kiosks now and being able to simply look at a kiosk and type in what you want without having to talk to a human. This is becoming ubiquitous, and it's not good. Uh, There's another aspect of this that's worth bringing up also. Many airports, as we know, have the facial recognition technology and certainly the recognition technology in order to travel overseas. Certainly LAX has that and a lot of the major coastal airports. But now Atlanta's airport has facial recognition also. And this simply apparently, again, this is, I, I'm not there personally, so I don't know, but this is just a little bit of what I was reading that the Atlanta airport not only has the facial recognition software, but everybody has to use it now. They've completely implemented it. And there are, again, other airports that are doing the exact same thing, but Atlanta is a major, major United States airport. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're not traveling overseas or not, this is interstate travel. None of, none of this is a good thing. It's just more tracking, and then eventually it will hit a particular snag where person A will not be able to travel because, well, the software doesn't like person A. And before you know it, it's going to look just like China. But they're doing, this, they're doing this so slowly, and I fully understand, again, that their plans have been, have been sped up throughout this entire process so that we're seeing this occur at a very fast rate. But look at how many people are just willfully participating. Look how many people still fly. I gave up flying in 2019. I didn't like flying then. I don't like flying now. I I can't see myself ever flying again. You've heard me bring that up, that it's arguably one of the most dangerous things that you can do with all these jabbed pilots, not to mention all the jabbed passengers and all of that shedding going on on airplanes. Even the people, again, talking about the jab dying and all of the ill health effects that have occurred, even those individuals who claim to be awake and have you know, been at the forefront of all of the jab news, so to speak, they even still fly. They even talk about how they were over at a lecture and they, they got on a plane and they flew from point A to point B and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it blows me away that even the so-called awake are still participating in a lot of this stuff. 
And I honestly think that that's just going to continue to be the case with the CBDC stuff. I think so many people are, in fact, going to participate. And they're not going to know that they're not participating also. I mean, there will be that, there will be that fraction of people, too. Again, like the examples that I just brought up. People are participating in this system without even knowing it. I'm guilty of it as well. I'm sure we all are to some extent. You know, they're recording you at the gas station until the time comes when you're not allowed to even pump gas. But I don't know. It's very interesting. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the stock market in the month of July and what happens to, again, with UPS apparently going on strike, what's going to happen with the supply chain in the month of July. And things of that nature, it's it's getting, uh, you know, the walls are closing in certainly to some extent, but there's plenty that we can do. Of course, mass non-compliance is the most is the most easy approach and continuing to educate people about what that really means. But getting people who are dead asleep to wake up to any of this is going to be very very hard. Again, the powers that be and the world government sell it as a convenience. They always sell it under the guise of a convenience. This is convenient. This will make things easier. This is this is the best way forward. Everybody does it this way. It is a slippery, slippery slope, and there will be plenty of people who will fall for it, no doubt about it. So keep cash, keep using cash, keep saying no to all these charities that they want you to donate to when you're just trying to buy a, a, you know, a carton of milk, whatever it is. Just keep saying no, and if there's a way again to not, not attend and not shop at the establishments that are constantly surveilling you like the Walmarts of the world, then definitely do that. Do it if you can. Now, with all of that said, get a load of this. Uh, Sicily sent me this from New Mexico, and apparently this is from the United States Census Bureau. I found this rather interesting. She did too. And it's a bit scary because this is one of the things that apparently they are doing. And they are straight up asking you as a parent, and certainly as an individual who has been deemed a household with children in it, what government can do to essentially help you, in particular regarding, again, uh, improving the health of children and families throughout the United States, as it says. So here's the letter that they received. Um, it says, Dear Resident, where they live, it says, Your address has been selected to participate in the National Survey of Children's Health. This survey collects information that is used to improve the health of children and families throughout the United States. <laughs> Sounds like a joke. Yes, government is knocking on your front door and saying they can help you. It says the U.S. Census Bureau conducts this survey on behalf of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. It says the success of this survey depends on your participation, and that's all in bold letters. It says the results will help your state better understand and respond to the health care needs of children and families. Oh my. It says if there are no children age 0 to 17 in your household, we still want to hear from you. Responding to this survey is easy, and they provide the web address, which is respond.census.gov NSCH, and then they provide a login number. It says, your household was randomly selected as part of this voluntary survey. We cannot replace your household with another one. The survey takes less than five minutes if there are no children in your household and on average 40 minutes for those households with children. Why would it take longer with children? 
What kinds of questions are you going to be asking? It says, if you are unable to complete the survey online, need assistance, or have questions, please call the phone number or email them at childrenshealth@census.gov. It says, the Census Bureau is required by law to protect your information. We are not permitted to publicly release your responses in a way that could identify your household. It says, the Census Bureau is conducting this survey under the authority of Title 13, U.S. Code, Section 8B. 13 U.S. Code Subsection 8B and Section 501A2 of the Social Security uh, something. 42 U.S.C. Subsection 701, Federal Law Protects Your Privacy and Keeps Your Answers Confidential under Title 13. U.S.C. Section 9, Subsection 9 rather. It says, uh, per the Federal Cybersecurity Enhancement Act of 2015, your data are protected from cybersecurity risks through screening of the systems that transmit your data. This survey has been approved by the Office of Management and Budget. The eight-digit OMB approval number appears at the bottom left corner of the survey, survey webpage, and it says if the number is not displayed, we could not conduct this survey. Thank you for your help. Sincerely, Robert L. Santos, Director. Do not fill out this survey. Whatever you do, no matter who you are, if you ever receive something like it, like this in the mail, do not fill it out. doesn't matter if you don't have children or you do. You better believe, again, this is part of the uh, entire digital system that is taking place here. And this right here, again, is directly associated with places like Child Protective Services and a thousand other organizations. And they want to know exactly what you're doing, when you're doing it, and how your children are participating in what you're doing and how you're doing it. I guarantee, having not even seen it and the survey questions, that there are homeschooling questions on here. They want to know how many people are homeschooling. They want to know all the ins and outs of your habits, what you're doing. Is there a certain amount of technology in your house? A thousand other things. This is not government's business. Government does not belong in the home under any circumstance whatsoever. They're already in everybody's homes. I fully understand that, certainly given the technology that exists, but this is ludicrous. Take something like this and throw it away. Again, the gullible people will be the ones who will actually even email and ask for clarification on certain questions as they're taking the survey. Excuse me, government, what am I supposed to fill in on this answer regarding this question? <laughs> there will be people who do that. Just burn it. Or, at the very least, hang on to it and use it as evidence potentially in the future, but do not, uh, do not get on the website and fill in the login page and actually answer the questions. This is this is nuts. And if it's happening in New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to start taking place just about everywhere if it hasn't already. Not to mention, of course, why now? What are they trying to actually gather now? What kinds of information are they really looking into after all of the government and uh, familial child abuse that's taken place this entire time? Make sure and wear your mask. Make, make sure and take your jabs. Now they want to follow up and basically ask how all of that's going. Again, there will be homeschooling questions on it. I'm certain of that. What kind of school do you attend? If not, what school do they attend now? And if they don't attend a school now, where do they, you know, where do they go to school? 
And then again, are there any health problems with your children or yourself? Did you wear a mask? How many shots have you taken? Has to just be nuts. But again, whatever you do, do not participate on things like this. They say they're not tracking you. They say they're not going to share your information. You'd better believe that they're going to do it. If government tells you to do something, the opposite is the truth. If they say they're not going to do something, they are doing it. That's the rule of thumb going forward here. No doubt about it. And oddly enough, that leads right into this story. Certainly education-related and the weaponization of the education system working hand-in-hand with government and law enforcement to go after minors because of their political views and what they believe and what they know to be true. This is out of Canada. Again, probably coming to an American K-12 school near you. I'm sure it's already happened on numerous occasions. Why not? But this is from LifeSiteNews.com. Canadian high schoolers questioned by RCMP for signing a straight and proud poster. It says the decision to summon the police comes as students are increasingly standing up to school administrators and against the LGBT agenda. Awesome. I mean, great for these students, but this right here again, this is your, uh, your social credit score in a nutshell. It says Saskatchewan, a Saskatchewan principal, called in police to question students who said that they were straight and proud. Students at Swift Current Comprehensive High School were summoned to the ninth grade principal's office by a Royal Canadian Mounted Police officer for signing a poster saying that they were straight and proud, according to a report by independent journalist and former RCMP officer Nadine Ness. It then says this, it says, quote, The kids have disclosed to their parents feeling very intimidated by this RCMP officer who was saying things like, This borderlines a hate crime and they could get in real trouble, Ness wrote. According to Ness, the school failed to inform parents that their children were interrogated by the police for voicing their beliefs. As a former RCMP officer, I find this alleged behavior of the officer very disturbing and made worse by the fact parents were kept in the dark and kids were not offered parents to be present, Ness declared. It says, while the name of the principal has not been disclosed, it was not the main principal of the high school who was forced to step in to prevent the incident from escalating. What escalation? I mean, what are they even talking about? This is, this is, so, this is so innocent. Again, it's a, it's a muddied piece of paper that's not even in color. It says, I'm straight and proud, I'm straight and proud. And then sort of a black and white flag that's been posted on a poster board or a, you know, one of those uh, bulletin board kind of deals. And then people, again, signing their name to it and all the signatures are blurred out. That's, that's all that it is. And it's probably over top of all the gay crap, which it clearly looks like it is. Uh, let's see. It continues, it says, Jack Fonesca of Campaign Life Coalition told LifeSite News that this is a seriously disturbing incident. Objectively speaking, they said, it's an example of the increasingly totalitarian state apparatus, which includes the education system cracking down on what it considers thought crime. He's right, and it's, it is terrible. And this next quote here from uh, this Fonseca guy, 
is is really emblematic again of the larger picture, which you've heard me beat this dead horse to death. Here's what he said. He said, quote, the response by parents in the school district must be righteous outrage against this Gestapo tactic, he encouraged. He said, concerned moms, dads, and grandparents must, dis- uh, must demand, rather, the firing of the grade nine principal and the firing of the RCMP officer who abused his authority. He said they had no right to frighten innocent children who were acting well within their legal rights of legal right, rather, to freedom of expression. I'm going to stop it there. Here's the problem. First of all, it's historically inaccurate to reference the Gestapo. Uh, That goes without saying. Number two, the bigger problem here is that homeschooling is the answer, and homeschooling is not a crime in Canada. You're allowed to do it. But the vast majority of of the parents and the children who participated in this and were victimized by it will simply send their children back. This continues to be the unfortunate response that exists in the hands of citizens who have so much power, and they have no idea how much power they wield, that if they just left, that school and the people within would be fired, and they would become insolvent. This is a high school. These students are old enough to read and write. They're old enough to teach themselves. Again, we're not seeing the singular answer occur yet. There are a number of things that you've heard me bring up here on this show that are that are not happening yet. And once we start seeing these things happen, we will know that the tide has shifted. We will know that the Overton window has been thrown to the other end of the spectrum and there is a real awakening taking place, if not having the Overton window completely be crushed to the point where everybody just sees clearly regardless of an individual moving it around in order for people to to see particular things and then not see. You know, you've heard me mention again regarding the jabs, you heard me mention that the parents who jabbed their children and the citizens of areas would be showing up at school board meetings yelling about the jabs, that I still believe that this is an inevitability. This is one of the things that is going to exist in the future regarding school board meetings. We're going to start seeing that. They're going to look for someone to blame for either their illnesses or their child's death or whatever it may be, and they will turn their rage towards school board members. And they'll start showing up and screaming at them as to why they were suggesting everybody wear the masks and why everybody take the shots and it's the safest way to protect yourself from COVID. I mean, they will, they will lose their minds on school board members. We have not seen that yet. That hasn't happened, certainly not in mass. There's maybe been the occasional sporadic one, but then it's very quickly forgotten. Again, I remember one high school student, I think she was entering college, but she showed up at a city council meeting and was talking about being jab injured to the city council members. That was about it. We really haven't seen it. So it doesn't mean that just because we're not seeing that particular thing that it isn't happening. It's still happening. But in situations like this, again, the constant outrage and the the screaming and the yelling, and how could you treat my student that way? My question is simple. Whether it be a public, private, or charter school does not matter. They're all fingers on the same hand. What is it, I mean, what is wrong with the parent in consistently sending them back to such an environment? Why does this continue to happen? Again, it it is a thrashing around inside of the matrix that boggles the mind. It really does. But once we start seeing mass exodus within school, then you will know that things have changed. Once we start hearing of stories 
where all of these students didn't just protest across the street, but they actually walked out forever. That will make national news. That will be undeniable. And that will again create a ripple effect that numerous individuals will not be able to ignore. And they will start walking out too. Perhaps not all at once, but they will certainly walk out, walk away, and never return. And that will be a beautiful day. And that leads me to this. This was rather interesting, and I want to play some audio here that goes along with it. This is from NJ.com, and it is titled, New Jersey Activist Offers Hidden Cameras for Kids to Record Lies, Corruption, Abuse in Schools. This is James O'Keefe. It says, Conservative activist James O'Keefe added another weapon to the school culture wars earlier this month when he offered to supply Bergen County parents and students with hidden cameras to expose corruption, lies, and abuse in the county's public schools. He said, quote, if you're lying, cheating, or stealing, you may become the next internet celebrity, he said on June 15th during the public comment section of a contentious nearly four-hour Westwood Regional Board of Education meeting that touched on the removal of an LGBTQ pride sign from the middle school lawn. The Bergen County District serves 2,777 children in Westwood and Washington Township. I'm going to play his audio here, and I watched and listened to some of the public comments from the other citizens and some of the other employees and the other parents. It was absolutely hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. They are screaming at the top of their lungs about gay pride this, and they're waving their flags. I mean, they've lost their minds. They're absolute lunatics. Again, you've heard me say it a thousand times, and it does not matter the line of work. It just doesn't matter the line of work. If you have a certain number of people all working in the same environment, getting them all to be brainwashed is remarkably easy. Again, I, I really it it does not matter the line of the line of employment. It really doesn't. They're all going to fall for whatever message is the loudest. The squeaky wheel gets the grease in these particular environments. Doesn't matter if it's again schooling. It doesn't matter if it's government. Doesn't matter if it's advertising. Doesn't matter if it's a law firm. It doesn't matter if everybody's doing again insurance agents, so on and so forth. If everybody's doing and saying the same thing, someone's not thinking. But I find this to be very interesting regarding James O'Keefe, again, that he would do this because, again, I've heard him say things like this before. But what James apparently doesn't understand is, is that endless citizens, in particular children in school, already have cell phones. I mean, they're already they're already doing this, James. This is not new. In fact, they've been ahead of the curve on filming crimes and filming corruption within schools on a constant basis. The fighting alone. I mean, the video and audio from from fighting alone and physical altercations alone is more than enough, not to mention all of this all of the video footage that's been caught within classroom settings. That footage again by simply your everyday average student, knowing the difference between right and wrong and listening to some whack job leftist talk about gay rights this and rainbow flag that and you need to cut your genitals off and pedophiles are people too and all of that garbage. When you listen to all of that and those students are sitting there saying, this is nuts, and then they look at one another and they say, get this, uh, get this crazy person on camera. 
and we're going to upload this on the internet and watch it blow up. And then, of course, they send it to numerous media outlets. You know, it's already happening. But it would be interesting again because when it comes to something like this and what James O'Keefe is is basically advertising, you would almost need parental permission, I would think. But again, is this what a child is really supposed to be doing in their spare time? Is a child supposed to be doing this? Again, school employees should be doing this. They should most certainly be recording their meetings. They should most certainly be recording uh, any of the professional development that takes place that they're witnessing that's beyond absurd and totally degenerate. And it does happen. And it happens every single year. In fact, in another month or two, I guarantee that videos are going to start coming out again about the degenerate professional development that takes place, along with all of the stories that go along with it, because it's that time of year again. When the students and the staff go back, in particular the staff first, this is when all of the degeneracy is going to come right to the forefront again. It's just going to rise right to the top. But here's James O'Keefe speaking at this board meeting. And uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it's an interesting proposal. But give this a listen here in three, two, one. Hello, um, John Bosler. I'm going to go next and introduce a Burton County resident and graduate of Westwood High School, James O'Keefe. Hello, everyone. Uh, I actually graduated from this school uh, 21 years ago next week, 2002. Uh, currently, I lead investigative reporting organization, OMG, O'Keefe Media Group. I'm previously the founder and head of Project Veritas. Um, when I went to school here, high school, um, late 90s, early 2000s, I never, I didn't personally um, see any bias political prejudice in the classroom. Nobody told me. But I was standing in the hallway outside of this room, a uh, young woman, and, and with almost tears in her eyes, uh, pleaded with me that during the gubernatorial election, there was conversations in the classroom about who she should vote for, which I found troubling, because I did not have to deal with that. I was apparently, as I'm seeing, the world has changed. A fact-based person don't take sides. Like I just believe that people should be given true facts. Also, to that that end, I'm a resident of Bergen County. Uh, currently, I used to be in Westchester for 10 years. I will be giving out hidden cameras to a variety of parents and sometimes students. They will be exposing corruption, lies, abuse that exist throughout. So stay tuned. And if any parent wants to use that, if any if any parent wants that resource, then go to akeefmediagroup.com, get a hidden camera. So if you're lying, cheating, or stealing, you may become the next unwilling internet celebrity. Thank you. Now, I have to mention this, and I have a huge smile on my face because this is fantastic. Again, you can go on YouTube and watch this if you want. It's the Westwood Regional School Board Public School Board Education Meeting from June 15th of 2023. In the room, for some reason, and again, I haven't watched the entire meeting and I'm not going to, but just based on my observations here, the camera, first of all, is in the middle and the back of the room. Everybody in front of the camera is, again, the, the general participants and the people just sitting in, in the meeting. And the meeting is packed. 
It's packed to the gills. But for some reason, countless people are wearing orange shirts. I'm not sure why. Uh, apparently, it's the school color. That's beyond evident. And it looks like a bunch of staff members, potentially. Because when James O'Keefe comes up to the lectern and he starts talking, there's a group of individuals who are off camera who you do not see who are the ones applauding. These have to be some of the parents who are not either associated with the school district or they are associated with the school district, which is why they're applauding. And I can only assume again that the individuals who are in the seats on camera are staff members. This is just a basic assumption that I'm making because when James O'Keefe speaks and comes up to the lectern and introduces himself, it's not the people on camera who are doing the applauding. The people on camera, again, I assume they're staff members, they look flippin' terrified. And I'm looking at the backs of all of their heads. That's all I can see, but they're not moving. I mean, they're dead still. You can't work in an American K-12 school district and not know who James O'Keefe is. You have to know what this guy has done. You have to know what he has exposed. You have to know the attention that he's brought to many things. Again, I've applauded him. I've criticized him. I've done a number of those things. I don't think he goes far enough sometimes, but at the exact same time, I know what he's exposed, and I fully get it, and I love it. But doing this at a school board meeting is fantastic because you can collectively see everyone in the room shitting themselves. And it really is quite a sight. They weren't moving in their seats. They weren't yelling. They weren't shouting. They weren't saying, F you, you know, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. They weren't even doing that. And they, again, weren't applauding him either. They were sitting there absolutely terrified. Just terrified, completely stuck in place. And again, you could just feel their eyes getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and you could feel their seats just filling up with waste. I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing. It's this kind of stuff, again, that shows you exactly who your enemy is. Why would you be nervous about something like that if you were actually doing what you're supposed to do? Now, the problem, of course, and you've heard me say it a million times, is what they are doing, even if they think they're doing the right thing, they're still teaching things that are not accurate, which means it's still an indoctr indoctrination camp, it's still a brainwashing camp, and, and that's what it's doing. And it's a generational brainwashing camp because, again, the victims of it go back to do one of two things, shake up the system like I did when I was a school teacher, or... They go back and they basically regurgitate the same kinds of lies because they themselves believe it. I, I think it's going to get interesting. I think that, uh, that OMG Media Group here is going to have a whole lot of fun in the upcoming school year. And keep an eye out, and I certainly will because it's the basis of the show, I'll keep an eye out on uh, the professional development stuff. Again, I brought up a perfect example in the last episode of how it's already starting to take place, but it's really going to ramp up uh, certainly in the latter half of July and then throughout the entire month of August and then well into September. That's really when you're going to start hearing again about the professional development and how crazy it is. And again, the video that, uh, that he's going to get regarding the professional development is going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. Because if I was a staff member in that school district, I would have walked up to him immediately. I would have left the room before he spoke. 
knowing exactly what he was probably going to say in advance. And then I would have met him in the parking lot and said, Hey man, give me a camera. I'll do it 100%. So it's going to be good. It's going to get good. There's also this, and I have an update here from the Supreme Court based on what I brought up in the last episode regarding the affirmative action ruling. It says the following here from the Gateway Pundit, Supreme Court strikes fatal blow to affirmative action in a historic ruling, bans race-based college admissions, all but eight states impacted. So it says in a historic ruling, Supreme Court on Thursday ruled that the Harvard and UNC race-based affirmative action programs are unconstitutional. As far as I'm concerned, this also means open the floodgates, if it's legally sound anyway, that it opens the floodgates to copious amounts of lawsuits toward Harvard, UNC, and all the other states that have allowed affirmative action hiring. Uh, Yeah, it's going to get real ugly. It says schools nationwide will no longer be able to discriminate against students on the basis of race. Thank God. Which, of course, also means it's been illegal this entire time. So who's going to be held accountable? I'm not holding my breath, but who knows? Maybe time will tell. It says, what a beautiful day for freedom, liberty, and justice. Indeed. Except for the fact that you're still sending them to an indoctrination camp. But yes, still a good thing. It says the vote was 6-3 to with Chief Justice Roberts writing the majority opinion. All but eight states used race-based affirmative action. The states that did not have affirmative action at all prior to the ruling were California, Florida, that's shocking, California, Florida, Michigan, Nebraska, Arizona, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, and Idaho. Last October, the United States Supreme Court heard oral arguments in two separate cases about the consideration of race in college admissions. Students for Fair Admissions, SFFA, versus the University of North Carolina and Students for Fair Admissions versus Harvard University. At stake in the Harvard case, it says, was whether the university violated Title VI of the Civil Rights Act by discriminating against Asian American applicants. The UNC case concerned the school's unwillingness to adopt a race-neutral alternative. It says the universities involved claimed that race was one factor among many used in a while assessing student applicants and that their processes respect precedent. The conservative group involved in the lawsuits, however, said that the colleges were engaging in reverse discrimination by using race as an admissions factor. Of course they were. I've been over numerous examples of where that's been the case. Endless individuals who are white who test way better and have way more extracurriculars or whatever you want to call it, certainly more experience and even internships that are remarkably serious, coming out of high school and then entering college and university settings, in particular in the so-called Ivy League schools, and they get turned down for anybody who is a minority who does not have the same credentials. Again, just look at their graduations. All you have to do is get on YouTube and watch their graduation ceremonies and look around in the crowd. What do you see? It continues here. It says, as reported by Fox News, one Asian American student, John Wong, was rejected by six elite colleges despite having a 1590 SAT score. He said this was due to affirmative action. 
He was one of the people behind the successful lawsuit today. Now he will likely be able to enter the college of his choice. And then the story is developing. Again, why would you go? It's just Stockholm Syndrome all over again. Going right back to your abuser, defending your abuser, congratulating your abuser for making the right abusive decision based on their previous abuse, and then you're going right back into the environment and saying they didn't abuse me. They're not that bad. It took a Supreme Court case in order for them to allow me to show up, but at least I'm here and I won and I'll show them. Why even go? Because I have to tell you, there's going to be another strategy that's going to take place here among these institutions. Just because this has happened doesn't mean that they're going to comply. There's going to be other methods that they will go along with. And and one of those methods, frankly, is I guarantee that either right now as I'm talking or certainly in the short near future, there are going to be not only memos that go out over email, but there will be actual meetings that take place on these college campuses all across the United States, all 42 states of them anyway, who are doing this all along. And they will simply, behind closed doors, have other methods for introducing as many minorities as humanly possible and discriminating not just against whites, but against individuals who are more qualified. This will, this will continue to happen. It may be strategies as simple as doing more of a background check to ultimately arrive at, at, at what race the individual is. Some of this you can determine, of course, by the individual's name. I mean, there's a big difference between a John Smith and a Shaniqua Jackson. There's a big difference between, you know, a Becky Sutherland and uh, someone with the name Ping Wong. I mean, everybody's going to know just based on looking at their college admission paperwork typically speaking anyway, what race the individual is. And if they don't know and they want to make some kind of a determination based on race without telling anybody they're doing that, they have their own methods and they'll just do a a firmer background check. They'll, oh, I don't know, maybe order a yearbook from their previous high school to determine what exactly the person looks like. This will happen. This will happen. The bigotry has always existed on the far left. Always. It's a historic fact, for God's sakes, and it's just going to continue to take place. They, they do not want whites within these schools. They do not want Asians, by and large, and they certainly don't want individuals, regardless of race, uh, individuals who are more qualified than others. This is not what they're interested in. Now, I knew I said I wasn't going to read from the reactionary, which was Technofog's uh, Substack page, but I still do subscribe because unsubscribing is harder than I thought. Uh, either way, he put out a particular summary of this case and wrote a number of things, in particular regarding the responses from some of the other justices. This stuff is rich, and uh, and I'm going to read it. And fortunately, I didn't have to pay for it. So here's a couple of things. Justice Roberts, of course, said ultimately in his conclusion that, quote, many universities have for too long done just the opposite. And in doing so, they have concluded wrongly that the touchstone of an individual's identity is not challenges bested, skills built, or lessons learned, but the color of their skin. Our constitutional history does not tolerate that choice. And then it says, Justices Sotomayor and Jackson both wrote dissenting opinions, which Justice Kagan joined. Shocking. Shocking that these three miserable women would hate this. Um, It says the following. 
There was no surprise that they argued in favor of affirmative action. Likewise, there was no surprise that the dissents of Sotomayor and Jackson were weak and unpersuasive. Justice Sotomayor harped that the court rolled back progress, quote-unquote. It cemented a superficial rule of colorblindness as a constitutional principle, she said, and to Sotomayor, the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment enshrines a guarantee of racial equality, a guarantee which allows for discrimination to achieve just racial results. Thus, by ending affirmative action, the court subverted the, quote, constitutional guarantee of equal protection. For Sotomayor, unconstitutional means can be used to achieve constitutional ends, he wrote. And then Justice Jackson wrote that the race-based discrimination by the college would allow students to thrive in a diverse learning environment. Thus, the court needed to get out of the way, quote-unquote, and let the universities continue to discriminate. She didn't say that part, but she said the, the first part. Uh, he continued to write and said the court's announcement of colorblindness for all would only stop the colleges from trying to solve America's real-world racial problems in any event. According to Jackson, the 14th Amendment doesn't preclude racial discrimination where the end of racial discrimination is the maintenance of freedom, quote-unquote, as they stated. Uh, it's just, it's so exhausting, these people. And, and uh, just a little side note here, a little footnote. Isn't it interesting that at least four justices are allegedly gay and no one talks about that? I mean, Roberts is a closeted homosexual, allegedly. The same is true with the, uh, the three women. Uh, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Jackson. That's allegedly true, although I don't think Jackson is. I strike that. It's at least three of them. I think Kagan might be, and Sotomayor, and uh, again, uh, allegedly Roberts. But isn't it funny how nobody seems to ever bring that up? The media doesn't talk about that whatsoever. They don't even ask. They have no problem asking other people, but hey. So either way, like I said, when it comes time for Professional Development Day and subverting the Supreme Court, you can guarantee that colleges and universities will still find ways to discriminate against people because, well, that's what they do. Okay, just a couple more things here just to wrap up. First of all, jab-related things. Uh, things continue to basically be the way that they are regarding the jabs. I don't really have any updates other than to reiterate and say yet again that you have to be a jab-free individual. You have to be a jab-free family. You have to be jab-free people uh, and do your best to be around jab-free individuals. They are putting the same kinds of technology, the nanoparticles, the self-forming plastics and metals that are in the COVID jabs. They are putting them in all shots going forward. Specifically, as I heard the other day again, that it's consistently being reiterated as, as it should, is that they are doing this within tetanus shots, they are doing this within Tdap shots, they are doing this also within flu shots. This is not going to go away. They're going to put the mRNA crap, which we know is snake venom, along with, again, all of the other metal, metal particles and everything else. They're putting that in all of the shots going forward. They will probably do the exact same thing with pills. I also heard this. I don't have any confirmation on this, but it is certainly a rumor, and at this point, why not, that they would be putting that poisonous technology and uh, all of that venom and poison and everything else within insulin shots. And there are a number 
of diabetic individuals, of course, who require insulin in order to remain alive. And isn't it ironic that the shots themselves cause diabetes? That it's actually the COVID shots and the mRNA poison that uh, has been proven to hijack the pancreas. I also saw this too and heard this too and wanted to make make mention of this because again, I know there are a lot of estimates out there regarding the death toll from the jabs, which of course is depressing and, and not good, but it is a depopulation program and we are at war. So there was a, a Canadian doctor who came out not that long ago and stated that somewhere around 13 million individuals are dead worldwide from the shots. Now, they just said 13 million. I, I think it's far worse than that. I've heard, again, upwards of 200 million and counting. And uh, that being a worldwide number, or, or certainly a worldwide estimate. I'm not sure if we're ever going to be able to hone in on an actual number. I think certainly this is a, a progressive thing. Individuals continue to poison themselves. They continue to pass away years after receiving even just their first or second shot, let alone a third, a fourth, or, or so on and so forth. But this is continuing to happen. Um, uh, again, I, I would simply say that the individuals throwing out estimate numbers, I, well, I, I wouldn't say don't trust them. I would just say you can anticipate it being worse than what they're saying. That's basically it. And again, he was looking certainly at specific data. I don't know if he was taking into account even insurance drop-offs or you know a number of other avenues of thought which other people who have predicted particular numbers have looked at but we do know for a fact that this is being hidden from the public we do know for a fact that uh the numbers are way worse than than what we're certainly being told and again even these numbers are are not on the mainstream media whatsoever and i don't expect them to be because again as soon as someone mentions it on the mainstream media well they never come back they're never invited back. Isn't that strange? So there is that. Okay. I wanted to read this. I'm fortunate enough to own the writings and the letters of uh, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine. All of these individuals, of course, great Americans, without a doubt. There is a letter here. It is just the general orders as written from. George Washington to the soldiers uh, from their headquarters again in New York on July 2nd of 1776. And I just wanted to read this because it's rather interesting. And I'll just sort of preface it by saying this. I'm just going to skip through the top half because, again, what he, what he does in these general orders is really interesting. He'll basically just tell particular colonels or particular individuals to do something or fix something or attend to something. And then he sort of has a message here in the middle, which I'm sure you've heard before, and I've probably even read part of it here on the show recently. In fact, I have. But then he continues on and continues on and then sort of gets back again to some warnings to individuals if they don't do particular things and then signs off. And again, this was a rather critical time here, July 2nd of 1776. So he said the following. He said, quote, the time is now near at hand, which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. 
Whether they are to have any property they can call their own. Whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed, and they consign to a state of wretchedness from which no human efforts will probably deliver them. The fate of unborn millions will now depend, under God, on the courage and conduct of this army. Our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us no choice but a brave resistance, and the most abject submission. This is all we can expect. We have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. Our own country's honor all call upon us for a vigorous and manly exertion, and if we now shamefully fail, we shall become infamous to the whole world. Let us therefore rely upon the goodness of the cause and the aid of the Supreme Being, in whose hands victory is, to animate and encourage us to great and noble actions. The eyes of our countrymen are now upon us, and we shall have their blessings and praises if happily we are the instruments of saving them from the tyranny meditated against them. Let us therefore animate and encourage each other and show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. The general recommends to the officers great coolness in time of action and to the soldiers a strict attention and obedience with a becoming firmness and spirit. Unquote. Certainly relevant. Certainly relevant today as it was back then. A very, very good message, I think, and uh, great advice, I think, even for all of us, myself included. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great 4th of July. Blow something up if you can, and I will catch you on July 10th. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.